We've been discussing the unsolved murder of a 14-month-old girl in Auckland two years ago. Uh, police believe Sophia Toeke Jackson was killed at her mother's home in Auckland's Clover Park after a catastrophic and unsurvivable head injury in May 2020. A charge has been dropped against a woman, a close relative of the toddler, for trying to obstruct justice. It's believed members of the family who were in the room chose not to talk to police. So why is it some people in society can get away without speaking to authorities? I'm joined by AUT Law Professor Chris Gledhill. Good morning to you. Morena, Carrie. Morena, how is it that the Serious Fraud Office can compel people to talk and how do they compel them to talk when the police cannot? Uh, so there's a kind of long-standing constitutional principle, the, the right to silence or the privilege against self-incrimination. And uh, for some reason, we decided to modify that slightly in relation to serious fraud and other white-collar crimes. So if the serious fraud office asks you for some documents, even though they might incriminate you or ask you a question, even though that might incriminate you, you have to answer that. But they can't then use that against you unless when you get to court, you say something different. So it's not a complete removal of the right to silence in these kind of white collar crime settings, but uh, you're right, it is a, it is a variation mm. from uh, the approach that we adopt towards all other crimes, which is the right to, the right to uh, silence the privilege against self-incrimination. As I understand it, that was brought in because authorities in the past coerced confessions, meaningless in many cases, confessions out of people through force and torture. But surely the system has changed so much that that right to silence is no longer required. Yes, yeah, so look, it's a, like I say, it's a long-standing constitutional position. It's part of the US Constitution, for example, and it's based on the idea that the criminal justice system involves state power against the individual. And in order to have some sort of balance there, you've got to give um, rights to defendants, including the right not to make the case for the prosecution. Uh, and it's a political question as to whether we've made enough modifications in terms of additional rights to defendants that mm. we should get rid of that ancient uh, protection. They have got rid of it in the United Kingdom. Mm. And the simple fact there is that the United Kingdom, they still have the same sorts of problems that we have in New Zealand and that they have in the USA. So there is a question about whether uh, what seems to be an understandable thing to do, namely getting rid of the right to silence, whether it actually makes a difference. Because the evidence that comes out from the United Kingdom mm -hmm. is that you're kind of, um, you know, I don't want to really use the phrase, but professional criminals, the ones yeah. who know how the system works, they can work the system irrespective of whether it's a right to make no comment or whether the police, as they do in the United Kingdom now, warn you that if you don't say anything, it can be used against you in a subsequent court proceeding. Look, the simple fact is that the police, um, in most cases, can get the evidence. In some cases, they can't, and they're always very difficult situations. Mm -hmm. And we have made changes. So, for example, there is now an offence which came in 
10 uh, odd years or so ago, that people have a duty to protect others in a family or institutional situation. And so um, we have made modifications to try and deal with these very difficult situations like the one that you've, um, mm. you know, that's prompted this discussion. Well, it's prompted another discussion because this happens time and time again. And surely legislators and those involved in the administration of the law understand that it it damages the the principle of justice when the law is administered, but justice is not. Yep. Uh, and you then get into questions about what modification do you make? Do you make a modification for homicide cases? Do you make a modification for all serious assaults of violence? Do you make a modification for all offences? Or do you stick to a principle which has been a, a principle that developed over centuries and was then introduced to New Zealand with the English legal system, that actually we should just have a right not to help the prosecution make their case. Like I say, it's a political question, uh, and I can see the arguments that um, certainly a number of callers to your show mm. have been making. I'll listen to your interview with um, Rex, for example, mm. beforehand. And those calls are understandable, the question is, do we make law based on a really highly emotional setting, such as the death of a child, which goes unexplained and apparently goes without any form of justice? Is that a good way for making a, a fundamental change that would probably affect all sorts of other situations as well? Or do we just accept that the legal system sometimes can't do justice? because sometimes doing justice is very, very difficult. And if we get it right in most cases, is that as much as we can expect? Uh, the point really being that if we get rid of the right to silence, it's not going to solve all the problems that lead to situations where there is injustice. And I understand that. But if you have, say, three people in a room where a baby has had its head smashed in or, you know, three people who have committed assault on an elderly man in his home, fracturing a skull, he can identify one and the 15-year-old the refused to cough up the names of the others. That's fine. You can have a right to silence, but it will come with a price. Yes, it does. And that's the balance. And that's the politics of it. it it's the balance of whether we accept that in some really unusual situations, some people are going to get away when they may well have been responsible for a really serious offence. Do we accept that as a price to pay for having a situation where actually we don't have that um, extra power given to police officers to coerce in all sorts of situations? And, and one of the ways that we've tried to deal with that is, like I say, by mm. having new offences introduced so that family members uh, and uh, people who are staff of institutions who witness um, uh, serious violence being done against vulnerable children and adults, there is now an offence if they don't step in and, um, and act to protect the vulnerable person. Now, maybe, maybe that uh, piece of legislation, which was introduced uh, after, uh, after the Kahui case, mm -hmm. maybe that needs to be modified slightly. Maybe that's the thing we can think of. 
um, rather than necessarily getting rid of a, um, you know, a long-standing constitutional protection. Sure. And that's the price society pays at the moment, that we have to put up with frustration and anger that people get away with murder. What about if the payment for the right to silence went on the perpetrators so that those who were there can, sure, don't speak, but you get two years in prison for refusing to help the police find the murderer? Um, yeah, and, and that is something which you could bring in as a sort of offence, which is a duty to... Divulge. Um, a, or, a, mm. a, a, well, not necessarily mm. a duty to divulge, but a duty to assist right. and a presumption mm-hmm. that if there has been unexplained violence in a situation where there's a small number of people who could be responsible, then everybody's guilty of at least not assisting. Yeah, uh, And look, that's what... That's what Section 195A of the Crimes Act, that's, that's the one that I've been talking mm-hmm. about. That was, that was kind of designed to deal with that situation. Uh, and maybe it hasn't dealt with it adequately if we still get situations where um, people aren't held accountable in a situation where they must have at least failed. You know, if they're not the actual perpetrator of the, the homicide, they must have at least failed to do something that goes from a moral duty mm. to a legal duty. Mm. And it's defining that legal duty, uh, which maybe we should be looking at, rather than uh, a more general getting rid of a, um, a protection, a right to silence protection, which does protect everybody. Thank you for explaining it so clearly. I appreciate it. Professor Chris Gledhill, AUT Law Professor, talking about what options exist. Were there political will to do so? And... You know, I think, yeah, at the moment we're paying the price for the right to remain silent. Put the payment for that privilege on the shoulders of the perpetrators.